Proverbs 30, verses 7 through 9. Two things I ask of you. Deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. Lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. I picked these verses because we're all thinking about money. All of us are paying more for gas and groceries and just about everything. To some extent, we're all thinking about money and inflation and the economy. As Christians, how should we think about our money? The world says a lot about money, but we don't follow the world. What's the Christian way? The Christian way to think about our wealth, our finances, our stuff. God gave us the book of Proverbs because we all need his wisdom. And the book of Proverbs has a lot to say about money. These verses only scratch the surface. The book of Proverbs says a lot about wealth and about poverty. Keep that in mind as we consider the wisdom found in these verses. This is not the only word on wealth, but as we'll see, it's a needed and a surprising word. Please look with me again at verse 7. Two things I ask of you, deny them not to me before I die. This proverb is actually a prayer, and it's the only prayer in the entire book of Proverbs. Chapter 30 begins by telling us that these are the words of someone named Agur. Can you feel the urgency of his prayer? Two things I ask of you, deny them not to me before I die. There's a, a sort of deathbed urgency to his prayer. It makes me think of the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Children with critical illnesses get to see their dreams come true. Before Agor dies, he asks that God would make two of his wishes come true. What two things would you wish for? We talk about our life goals, our career and retirement plans, our bucket lists. If you could ask God to give you two things before you die, what would they be? First, Agor says, remove far from me falsehood and lying. To put it positively, give me honesty. Make me honest. Would truthfulness top your list? Before I die, may I be found honest and truthful. It's another way of saying, make me obedient to your ninth commandment. The ninth commandment says, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. What exactly does that teach us? As our children's catechism puts it, the ninth commandment teaches us never to lie, but to tell the truth at all times. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Are falsehood and lying as far from you as you think they are? Like me, do you ever fib in order to please someone? Hey, Colin, are you available to talk on Monday? Knowing that I'm not available, but wanting to please someone, I say, yes, that will work. I'm available. Whether our falsehood is subtle or not, it matters to God. He sees it. We might fool those around us, but we can't fool him. 
To understand the seriousness of lying, think about who goes to hell. The book of Revelation says, But as for all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur. If this is what lying deserves, doesn't the urgency of this prayer make sense? God, remove far from me falsehood and lying before I die. Make me truthful. That's the first thing Agur asks of the Lord. The second thing is this. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. I understand the first part. Don't give me poverty. Of course, who wants, who wants poverty? But the second part, the second part stops me in my tracks. Don't give me riches. Have you ever prayed that God wouldn't give you riches? That you would not receive a raise? That you would not have good returns on your investments? That you would not make more money? This request stands alone by itself in the book of Proverbs. It's the first and only time when the book puts on the brakes and says, God, don't give me more stuff. Don't give me more riches. As the last line of verse 8 says, Feed me with the food that is needful for me. Don't let me starve, but don't let me be stuffed either. Don't give me too little, but also don't give me too much. I want to be in the middle with just what I need. Can you hear this echoed in the Lord's Prayer? Every Sunday we pray together, give us this day our daily bread. What are we asking for? We're asking that God would give us a competent portion of the good things in this life. We're asking for a competent, an adequate, a sufficient portion. In other words, we're praying Proverbs 30 verse 8, feed me with the food that is needful for me. This prayer applies to food and to other good things. In verse 8, replace food with other things. Give me the car that is needful for me. Give me the income that is needful for me. Give me the health that is needful for me. Give me the home, the toys, the success, the books, the sleep, the entertainment, the abilities, the vacation that is needful for me. What a countercultural prayer. Do you feel the otherworldliness of this prayer? What would cause someone to pray for what she needs and for nothing more? Well, I'm glad you asked. We find the answer in verse 9. Verse 9 says, Lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Do you remember what happened to Solomon? What happened when he acquired wealth and wives and horses. Eventually, as we read in 1 Kings, his heart turned away from the Lord. He became fool and denied his God and said, more or less, who is the Lord? Of course, the problem is not wealth. Wealth is not a bad thing in and of itself. When God created the Garden of Eden in all of its abundance, it was good. But God's good creation became a temptation when sin entered the world. 
because we're all sinners, wealth is now a dangerous temptation for us. Listen to how others have put it. What we own can begin to own us. Isn't that so true? What we own can begin to own us. C.S. Lewis said, Proverty, prosperity, prosperity knits a man to the world. He feels that he is finding his place in the world, while really the world is finding its place in him. The Lord said to his people, Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God. How are you in danger of forgetting the Lord your God? In your abundance... Are you thinking less and less of your Lord? We are not only tempted in prosperity, we're also tempted in poverty. As verse 9 says, Do not give me poverty, lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Do you remember what happened to Job's wife? When she lost her children, her home and her wealth, what did she say to Job? She said, curse God and die. Curse God and die. Think about what happens at a toddler's birthday party. What, what often starts to happen as the birthday boy opens up all of his new and exciting toys, the other toddlers start to grab them and throw fits when they can't have them. We are like toddlers. But we have adult ways of grabbing toys and throwing fits. In our poverty, we are tempted to take matters into our own hands. How are you responding to what you lack? Are you beginning to see the wisdom found in these verses? Both riches and poverty have their temptations and snares and pitfalls. And notice, Agor isn't only concerned about himself and whether or not he stands or falls. Do you see his overriding concern, the reason why he's praying for a middle way? He's concerned about the reputation and glory of his God. God, don't give me riches. I know my heart. I don't want to deny you. God, don't give me poverty. I know my heart. I don't want to profane you. Give me what I need. Nothing more, nothing less, for the sake of your name. Wow. I find this prayer to be profoundly convicting. Like all Proverbs, this proverb, this, this prayer, should convict us. We do not measure up to the standard of God's wisdom found in these verses. But there is someone who does. There is someone who is the wisdom of God. Jesus Christ, the way, life, and truth, never once lied. As the Son of God, he knew the riches of heaven, but never once denied his Father. As a true man, he knew the poverty of earth, but never once profaned his God. Jesus is the one who taught us to pray, 
Give us this day our daily bread. And the fame of God's name was truly his heart's desire. In every way, Jesus embodies the wisdom found in these verses. And he died for fools like us to save us and to remake us in his wisdom. How is your Savior now making you wise? By his Spirit, how is he making your this prayer your heart's desire? Look for ways that you are growing in truthfulness. Perhaps you are learning to speak the truth even when it might displease others. Look for ways that you are growing in contentment. I don't have this or that, but God is giving us what we need. How is the glory of God capturing more and more of your heart? Look for the good in yourselves and others. Look for the ways that the Spirit is making us wise. Not only that, pray this prayer. Lord, two things I ask of you for the sake of your name. Make me honest and give me what I need. This week, I prayed this prayer before stepping out of my car to go into a retail store. I needed new dress shoes. And you know what? God gave me what I needed. He didn't provide shoes that were too nice or ritzy. Nor did he leave me empty-handed. He gave me what I needed. And I experienced the wisdom found in these verses. Pray this prayer. As we pray this prayer, we will grow in wisdom. We will learn to pray for what we need, not more and not less. And God's glory will capture more and more of our hearts until we're home. Amen. Let's pray.